This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined by our panel of guests to discuss all the action from the last seven days supporting Southampton Football Club. Now we're streaming this episode of TSP Live on our Facebook and our Twitter pages. You'll also find it on our YouTube channel. So good evening if you're watching along. And if you are following the live stream tonight, you can get involved in the conversation using the comments section. We'll get to as many as we possibly can. Maybe a comment or a question for the guys. It's always nice to hear your thoughts and uh, see what questions you can come up with. Coming up this week on the podcast, we've got reaction to Friday Night Football under the lights at St Mary's. Norwich City were the visitors and we're going to preview the two huge games. We've got West Ham in the FA Cup on Wednesday and Aston Villa away in the Premier League on Saturday. So first of all, let me introduce you to this week's TSP guests. Steve Grant, owner of Saints Web, the independent Southampton FC website. Uh, You've been at an FA Cup game today, Steve. Tell us about that. You've just got back. Yeah, I um, braved the Baltic conditions in uh, East Anglia and uh, yeah, went up to Felixstowe to watch uh, watch the Saints women team. Uh, unfortunately, get knocked out on penalties um, against Ipswich. Uh, but I did did see that rare uh, that rare beast of the goalkeeper coming up for a corner and actually scoring and scoring um, as well, <laughs> which was which was pretty special. But yeah, unfortunately, they're out uh, out of the FA Cup, so uh, just the league to concentrate on now. And a good good attendance, a good turnout, I gather. Uh, yeah, twelve hundred up there, which apparently is is a record for for Ipswich women at that ground. I I guess they may they may have had bigger crowds if they've played games at Portman Road um, before, but it didn't look as if that ground could hold hold an awful lot more than um, than was in um, in this afternoon. So no, it's, yeah, it's very good. Well, concentrate on the league then, I think, uh, as they say. Dan Sheldon is the Athletics' dedicated Saints reporter. So did you have a Saturday off, Dan, yesterday with the, the football being on the Friday night? Has it kind of thrown you this weekend? It, it has really thrown me. But I was just <laughs> thinking, nothing has thrown me more than every now and then I'm kind of partial to going on TikTok and like scrolling for like 30 or 40 minutes. And then I was like flicking through to try and switch off from work. And then I saw me and I was like, hang on a minute, what's happened here? And it's obviously Total Saints oh, podcast. I oh, forgot. I mean, we're on TikTok, TikTok now. Yeah, that's the, right. the weirdest thing. I was like, hang on a minute, that's me. We're what down with the kids. So, yeah, that, that, threw me, that threw me more than Friday night's game being on a Friday <laughs> rather than a Saturday. And there's no Glenn this week. He's at home watching Brian Gunn's 100 Greatest Saves on DVD. 
but we are joined by founder of the TSP podcast, Ben Stanfield. So welcome, Ben. Thanks for stepping in. Uh, how's your weekend been? Yeah, no problem, Martin. Nice to be here. I, I automatically feel like because I'm covering for Glenn, I should say that I've not done anything this week. But uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, I think generally it's been a quiet one. Had my head in a, a few spreadsheets at work. We've had a, a fair bit of snow up here in the Arctic Circle, so I've been trying to exercise my way through that. But uh, yeah, obviously enjoyed the Saints game on Friday night, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Yeah, puts us all in a good mood, doesn't it? Uh, the biggest hello and thank you, of course, is reserved to our patrons, wherever you might be listening or watching this week. So welcome to episode 188 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Now, it's going to be a very similar discussion to last week, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, a decent display at St. Mary's. Saw Saints beat Norwich 2-0 with a goal in either half. Let's start with you tonight, Dan. Did Norwich make that difficult? It was quite a, a narrow game. It felt like we had to work a bit harder than, than maybe we've all thought for the points. I think it it looked harder than it probably was for the players, if that makes sense. I don't know if that does make sense, but it, it looked at times kind of like Norwich where they were applying pressure without really applying any pressure, if that makes sense. They didn't ever really... You never felt that Norwich were going to score or or anything like that. But they did have moments in the second half when it was still 1-0 that you thought, oh, they are on top here, you know, kind of shooting into their towards their fans. The fans were getting a bit more up for it. I must say, actually, I thought that the Saints fans were super, like, excellent on Friday night. The atmosphere um, was incredible, wasn't it? It was really good, wasn't it? And I do yeah. think Saints brass add a lot to it. I think yeah. I think that really does get people going. It certainly gets me going anyway at the beginning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I thought it was just one of those games where Norwich... Well, I mean, they're, not, they're just not very good. They're going to go back down, aren't they? That's kind of obvious. Could have been 4-0, 5-0 for Southampton if they'd shot any other way but an Angus gun. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was a very comfortable night, but Norwich did make it look more difficult than it was at times. Steve, what did you make of uh, a Friday night? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty easy, wasn't it? I think 2-0, I mean, as Dan suggested there, I think 2-0 flattered Norwich a fair bit. But I'm sure, I mean, the whole shooting straight at Angus gun thing. I mean, I, I got, I was absolutely convinced at one point that it that basically we just watched that nine nil Leicester game back, saw all the shots going through him and thought, ah, that's the way to score. We're going to hit the ball straight at him. That'll be absolutely perfect. And he'll just move out of the way, but no, it, it didn't happen. And, um, a little bit frustrating because yeah, I mean, our, our performances of late have deserved bigger wins than, than, than we've had. I mean, I kind of get that. I may be, being a little bit uh, sort of over-egging the pudding a little bit there and sort of not sort of taking the wins as, as and when they come. But I think we shouldn't have a negative goal difference anymore based on the last the last handful of games. Spurs away, we should have won by three or four. Everton, we definitely should have won by three or four. And Friday night could have been any scoreline. I mean, as I say, it kind of felt too easy at times. First half, I thought we were possibly a little bit, um, a little bit lacking intensity at times. But it was, it was always a case of we are going to score. It's just a case of when. And it was just, I guess that's one of the things that we've, that we've become an awful lot better at, not just the team, but the fan base as well, being really patient with, with the game mm-hmm. that we know that we'll create chances, particularly against bad defenses. We'll create chances and it will come. You've just got, to, um, just got, got to be patient with it. Everton, we didn't score until the second half when half time we could have been, I mean, that game could have been done and dusted. Um, then as well, Friday night, the, the chances that we created first half probably weren't actually of the same quality. But second half, we were 
Um, we were much better in terms of the the quality of chances we were creating. It was just um, once again the finishing um, letting us down a little bit. And I guess that that'll probably be the only the only downside, sort of negative that that Ralph might look at with with the analysts in terms of okay, we're 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 now creating all these chances. We've just got to be a lot better at taking them because against the better sides, mm-hmm. you won't create as many. Um, yeah. So you've got to be, you've just got to be a little bit sharper in um, in the box there. And Ben, on paper, another straightforward win. What were your initial thoughts after watching that? Yeah, I, I agree with the guys. I thought it was a, a very comfortable, routine Premier League win. I think nothing would have been more Saints, Martin, would it, than they've gone to Spurs and won, drawn at Old Trafford, lose at home to the bottom team. So I think it for me, it, it's kind of a, an indication of the mindset that this team now has, that they treated that like a, a professional game. You know, they went out there with the right attitude. I think, as Steve said, I think we ended up 27 shots to, to eight or something like that. So there was lots and lots of efforts. Um, but, you know, they, there was seven, eights, nines out of 10 still across the pitch. You know, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about Oriol in a minute. You know, I thought he he led by example. And I never really felt nervous. You know, we were talking about it just before we came on air. For me, it feels a little bit more like the Cumin days. You know, we used to turn up thinking that team will compete. They've got every chance of winning this game, whoever we were playing. And at the moment, with the run that Saints are going through, it feels very similar. Yeah, I, I was saying, uh, walking to the game, you, you kind of think it's very much, this would be very Saints-like to lose a game like this. But actually, in your heart of hearts, you thought, no, we're not going to, we're not going to make a mess of it. And, and that's the confidence that they're playing with at the moment. So, Dan, just on the starting eleven, no surprises, I guess, to see Carl Walker-Peters keeping his place at left-back? No, 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 not, none at all. I thought Perot may have come back in, but then it's like we kind of said last week, and it's the clip I saw on TikTok, actually, about um, <laughs> Livermento coming in, getting like you know, getting the assist against Everton and basically saying, you know, don't drop me now, Ralph. And yeah, it's just a, a really good place to be in that you can have that quality on the bench. So... No, no surprises really, but it wasn't even a surprise seeing Livermento start, so none for me. And Steve, that tactical change with, with Stevens coming on, we, we seem to be quite used to playing that switch now. When he comes on, you know that we're going to shore things up and they, they, they're used to that. They seem really well drilled. Yeah, there was there was kind of a five-minute period where um, Norwich had kind of got a bit more of a foothold in the game. They'd not really created a whole lot other than that Grant Hanley header where he skewed it miles wide but you just kind of felt that okay we just need to kind of just put a bit of a put a bit of a break on this grab grab control of the midfield back again um so bringing stevens in allowed us to to kind of go three at the back and effectively a four across the midfield with the wingbacks effectively playing in midfield really um it just gave us a little bit more control and yeah we we were able to see it out and obviously got added the second late on in fairly spectacular style um, I mean, he only scores. He only scores good goals, doesn't he? Really, been a while since he scored. Um, since he scored a, a tap in, I think. The, I think the only one he's got for us was was it against Palace, maybe from fairly close range, bundled in the corner, maybe a few years back. But other than that, like most of his strikes are, are from this, are from sort of the edge of the area. I mean, that one against West Brom, um, I thought would be hard to beat the that sort of flying volley. But the um, the technique he showed for for the one on Friday night was was extraordinary. Um, I did did find it weird seeing a few people sort of claiming, oh well, Angus Gunn should be doing better th- with that. It's like, I mean, he's hit it about as hard as you could possibly hit a ball, and it's not gone far off. I mean, it's not right in the top corner certainly, but the pace it's come at and through a couple of defenders, there's no way the keepers, no way the keepers getting getting anything on that. Yeah, and you won't find us being rude about a goalkeeper. So let's just <laughs> go through the uh, the two goals. Shea Adams um, hooking it in whilst laying on his back. And he's not going to score another goal like that, is he? Do you know what? At the time, you didn't actually realise what a good finish it was. It was only kind of when you saw the replays. And it was all a little bit Sunday league just before that, wasn't it? Like Brandon Williams. Was laying on the keeper, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Williams obviously tried to tackle it. And at, 
inadvertently actually made it better for Livramento. His cross, then Aaron's tried to 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 clear it, messed it up. Um, Shea then had a swing, it hit him in the chest, and he's lying on the floor. Gun goes down to try and pick it up, and as he does, he like scoops it up into the top of that. I mean, it was a really really good finish, and I I think I saw Dan tweet after the game that's eight and fifteen for him now, and I think I saw a stat of like twenty and eighty six or something like that. But I mean, eight and fifteen. If if he's scoring one in every two, I think it's a real indication of his form and his confidence in the moment. And uh, as I say, a brilliant finish, and probably just when we needed it, because as Steve mentioned earlier, we'd had a few chances and you sort of felt when's that first goal going to come you know just before half time it kind of gave the Saints the momentum they needed it looked like when I saw that that the Adams goal before seeing a replay I immediately thought to myself he's tried to do everything but score <laughs> in that situation and then when you see it slow down you actually appreciate that it was quite quite a good finish bit of technique a bit of tactics <laughs> and obviously a word on um, on Romeo Dan um, I always get nervous when he shapes to shoot um, I think that was his third shot on target maybe in the Premier League this season but perhaps you know I'm doing him a, a disservice he an outstanding all-round performance on, on Friday it was I, I jokingly asked Ralph actually I think where Ralph lives is in the direction of where Romeo was shooting and I thought did you kind of fear for your window when you saw Romeo lining up on the edge of the box and Ralph was like oh, he does it in training all the time but I think Ori came out afterwards and said it was the best best goal he's ever scored but I think with Ori we've all we've all come to expect like he's always a solid like seven out of ten but he can go up to like uh, eight nine out of ten he's he's just a class act and the, the thing about Romeo is that and I was going to tweet this, but I didn't in the end, but you'll struggle to find a nicer person. Like genuinely, you will struggle to find a nicer guy playing football. He is just an all-round top, top, top bloke. And I think Southampton are so lucky to have a player like him and his character, his temperament. You know, he turns up, okay, it's kind of cliche, but you know, he turns up every single day. It's such a brilliant example for the the young players coming through. You know, they, they do look at him. He's more than happy to kind of give them advice, help them, bed them into the, the first team environment. He's just a, a Super, super guy. And he's in a, along with Prousey, they just look really good at the moment, don't they? As a, as a midfield pair, and they look so accomplished. Mm. They're so in tune with each other's game. They know where each, each one is going to be. And it is really paying off because I can't remember the last time Southampton lost a midfield battle. They've just been, I know Everton didn't have a midfield, so they weren't going to lose that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a relatively straightforward one. But even beyond that, they, they, they're just two players in total control of everything at the moment. And Romeo is just, I mean, when he's on his, when he's at his best, he's a joy to watch. And the interesting point I was going to make, Dan, and you'll have noticed this having watched Saints for a couple of seasons now, is it was evident on Friday, he gets the ball, he now looks forward, he looks to play quickly and pass the ball forward. And I think that was a real issue for him over the sort of start of his career with Saints was that he would get it, slow the play down and then automatically look to play backwards. And I think it's really good to show the development. You know, he's, he, as you said, he's so well-rounded as a footballer now, but that's something that really stands out. He gets the ball, he looks to shift it on quickly and forwards. No, definitely. And Ralph, when Ralph's kind of talking about the more experienced players, he he always says it takes them a little bit longer because their their hard drive is more full than <laughs> like a Nathan Teller, for example. So Romeo's played for several different managers, different systems or whatever. So it takes him a little bit longer. But I remember interviewing Romeo in back end of 2020. And he said to me, I, I could shut my eyes and I know where Ralph wants me to be in any kind of given moment. But as Ben mentioned, he really has, I think, added to his game the playing forward because the thing I always liked about Romeo was how comfortable he was in possession in you know if he's being pressed by three or four players given his La, Mas- La Masia background he's just so comfortable I've always admired that but now he can do that and instead of kind of passing sideways or back to the defense or whatever he can go forward and I think that says a lot about the players in front of him at the moment and it just goes back to that point of this probably is Ralph's 11 I think mm. they they all know exactly where each other's going to be 
And that helps massively, I think, for Romeo. It's taken him a while to get to his 11, but it certainly feels like we're there now. Um, Steve, another clean sheet at home. So we need to talk about the the bat four, the keeper. Another great game for Salazu and, and Bednarek. They just seem to be getting better by the week as well. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty comfortable for the most part. I think the only time I was slightly worried was when both of them, uh, both the centre-backs seemed to be in the same corner of the pitch when Norwich had that early shot blocked. I think both Bednarek and Salazu ended up in the chasing the ball into the corner. Um, but fortunately, we had we had enough covering players. But yeah, I mean they've they've had they've had two relatively relatively comfortable games after. I mean I have probably five six games where where it's been a lot a lot more difficult. So they've they've earned that they've earned that kind of rest rest period, I guess. Yeah, and Dan, just a word on Adams and, and Brozier up front. Um, we were talking about their partnership last week. Um, obviously the goal for Adams, but another top effort from Brozier, I suppose. Never stopped running, did he, for the team? And uh, he was unlucky. I still think he could pass a bit more, maybe at the <laughs> end, and, and play somebody else in. But he's, he's certainly terrifying the defenses. Yeah, he he does. And given the form he's in, I think defenders are clearly aware of the threat. So him running in one direction will naturally drag a couple his way, which does open space for the players he doesn't pass to. But then at the same, it's like Glenn said, at the end of the day, he's a striker. You almost want him to take the shots. You'd rather him, we'd all be sitting here if he was passing it all the time saying, why doesn't he just take the shot? Why doesn't he just take the shot? So I don't particularly have an issue with the fact that he may be greedy at times. He's a striker. You expect him to do that. But I was I was more impressed with Shea. I just think Shea... He's just he's in that kind of in a in a run at the moment where he's just so good. He's you, you see him like running back to make a tackle in his own half. You see him haranguing the defenders in their half. He's just all over the place at the moment. Physically, he looks really good. I think he's he looks a lot more. He's always been a like a, a tall guy anyway, quite a big big guy, but he looks a lot more muscly than he has done in the past. And it, it's just brilliant to see. They're they're clearly the the, the club's best two strikers, and it's. Yeah, I mean, for as long as Brozier's there, let, let's enjoy it. Hmm. Ben, what's exciting you the most about the team at the moment? I think just the fact that we've got competition for places and I think the way that they're playing at the moment, I agree with what Dan said. For me, on Friday night, despite where KWP was playing, that I think is our strongest eleven at the moment. I think players like Al Unisi deserve to be in the starting lineup. It's great to have Perot back. Um, I totally agree with what you guys have been saying on the pod the last couple of weeks. You know, he's had a really good four to six weeks Perot. It's, it's interesting now that it almost feels like and you don't want this on any of the Saints players, that illness or injury is the only way that other players are going to now get back into the side. And that's what we wanted, right? That's what we didn't have the last couple of years is that competition for spaces. So I think, you know, totally agree with what Stephen Dan said. The team know what they're doing. They all know their roles. The two number 10s know exactly where they got to be. The strikers are running the channels. And, and you know, you can just see the amount of effort that's gone in on the training ground, Martin, and how they are now taking that out onto the pitch, which is all, always the acid test, isn't it? It's fine doing it in front of a few bushes at Staplewood, but actually taking it out in front of 30,000 people at St Mary's delivering you know and they're getting results and I think that is ultimately as we all know that's where players get the confidence from what the manager is trying to tell them to do so all in all you know you can't complain at the moment football's a, a game of up and downs and we're absolutely on and up and hopefully it'll carry on just a point on Elianusi because Alistair who's one of our patrons got in touch during the week and he said uh, and I quote looked to be one of those stuff players that we signed on a ridiculously long contract but having finally found a place in the team is it time to think about offering him another contract so I don't know where he's at in, in terms of his contract at the moment Steve but that's someone that's gone out on loan proved a point come back and and actually is is starting to deliver now yeah we're getting there there's those those situations are always tough players go out on loan you never quite know whether they've gone out on loan with a view to oh okay we don't think you've got it 
Um, so therefore, um, we're sending you out on loan to see if you can kind of put yourself in the shop window for a team at a lower level, because that's where kind of we, we reckon you are. Or whether it's a case of, right, no, we just need you to go and get, get yourself fit and get yourself some, some sharpness and come back and, and then maybe there's a, maybe there's an opening for you. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what we've seen. Niall's watching on Facebook. He says, uh, good point about both the strikers, but what about the Brozier situation? Do we need a plan for his exit now as well? That's something the club have kind of talked about and they're going to be working on pretty hard, Dan, either he's involved next season or he's not and someone else will come in. It's almost out of South... In one sense, it's kind of out of Southampton's hands. All they can do is if they want him, they can put a bid in. But if Brozier carries on the way he is they're not going to be the only team interested and they're probably not the only team interested in him now. I would still personally just wait until the end of the season to see where they're at with him because, you know, Brozier's not lacking any, any confidence and Lukaku's not exactly doing it at Chelsea at the moment. I'm not saying he would go to Chelsea and get in the team, but if Chelsea's saying to him, well, actually, you've got a very good chance if you come back here, I could see him equally going for that. It doesn't, from everything I'm told, it doesn't sound like another loan will be a possibility. So... He's either going to go back to Chelsea and stay or someone will have to come in and buy him. But I think Glenn or Steve said it the other week, every goal he scores, his price will go up. And, mm. and somebody else have, will notice him too, won't they? Yeah, Southampton haven't just been bought by you know Saudi Arabia. They're still going to have a budget that they you know, and a limit that they can spend on players. And it will get to a point where it just isn't financially viable for them to go for Brozier if it is going to cost you know silly money. I mean, I don't particularly know what Brozier's worth. I've seen reports of kind of 35 to 40, which I think is crazy to be honest. I don't think he's worth that much. But yeah, I, I couldn't see Saints kind of going into that that range. And Ben, is it just a case of worrying about the things we can control and, and what, what will be, will be? Totally. I think the club has shown, haven't they, the last 12, 18 months that they've They've got a strategy. They've got a plan. They'll already be working towards the summer. I think the the takeover probably helps to almost push on that strategy. You know, we now know we've got the money to go after the players we want to. And I agree with what Dan said. And uh, to be fair, I, I agree with the comments that that have come in recently. We've just got to enjoy him while he's here. What will happen will happen in the summer. There's been a lot of talk, hasn't it, about him wanting to be happy where he's playing in the future. His family wanting to be happy. You know, there won't be many clubs around like Saints that can offer him that. So what will be will be. And for the moment, it's just about him and and Shea hopefully banging in the goals and trying to get us high up the league. And um, the other thing that Dan wrote about this week we've talked about is is Fraser Forster Ben I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks on the pod about the goalkeeping situation and what should go on there would you like to see Fraser sticking around next season what what, what would your best case scenario be for that the goalkeepers next year yeah I mean I, I I've always been in the Fraser Forster camp I think I tweeted at the start of the season that you know he would have been my start of the you know for the first game at Everton obviously McCarthy came in and to be fair he, he did really really well didn't he I think Forster's shown the last few weeks that um he can with a consistent run of games offer the team something I, I find him a little bit more communicative at the back I find him a little bit more of a presence maybe than Macca is but um, for me they've obviously got a decision to make there there's there's obviously been rumours that you know and I know Dan's reported it that McCarthy's already kind of signed a contract so that may have already made their mind up and this is all by the by but ultimately I think he's someone that you know we know he's good mates with Prousey we know that he's obviously um, well thought of around the club it may well be that they actually decide we'll give him another year we don't need to shop for a goalkeeper this summer but I think we've spoken about it a lot haven't we on the pod and I think it's the one position at the moment in the team that does need to be looked at and they really need to sort of think about probably the longer term strategy. I wasn't surprised to see Angus Gunn go in the summer. I, I know that um, 
you know, there's obviously been rumours about him potentially taking the show at longer term. But I think for me at the moment, they're the best two goalkeepers we've had over the last three, four years. And it probably is just a case of sorting out which one they want for next season onwards. And Steve, up to ninth now, um, is that the best we can hope for? Is that kind of like the top of where we're, we're aiming for? Is it about hanging on in there now and just staying ahead of Brighton? Or do you think we can, can push on and, and try and catch the likes of Wolves? I mean, I think given Wolves absolute garbage performance today by the sounds of it there's i mean we could catch them i mean five points five points for for teams that um that are playing well isn't insurmountable with the number of games that we've got left the problem is that obviously the teams above you are generally playing well as well as i say wolves weren't good today by all accounts but they've been very good for the last few months um so maybe that was just a blip and they'll be fine come next week but i mean if if wolves are going to have a stutter then okay if we can if we can take advantage great um, I don't think I don't think it's completely beyond the realms of possibility, but obviously with the start, well, kind of the autumn that we had, we've um, we've kind of given everybody a, a little bit of a head start, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, and Dan, top ten was talked about at the start of the season, and I know again you've mentioned that this week, but they'd be happy with that, wouldn't they? Ralph getting in, uh, finishing the top half of the table for the the first time since he's been here. That's that's going to be his aim. Well, that was the target at the start of the season. You know, they they sat down and worked out well, what can we do. They looked at so much different, like so much data in terms of little tweaks that we can make here and there in terms of schedule, workload, recovery, uh, all sorts. And the, with the the idea being finishing in the top ten, so that was a target in in August. And as it stands, they're well on course to do that. It's going to be a tough run of games, though, Ben, because you look at Villa, Newcastle, Watford, Burnley, Leeds with the new manager, I guess, coming in teams that are going to be fighting to to stay in the division. So it's not going to be easy if we're going to maintain that. 10th or 9th in the league? No, not at all. But I, I think the positive for Saints now is that realistically, we're probably one win from safety, you know, and, and ultimately the pressure, as we know, pressure is a funny thing in football, isn't it? Dan's laughing. He obviously thinks it's more than that. But, uh, um, you know, but <laughs> oh, I what I would say... They're about... Safe already. But I suppose the point I'm making is that for Saints, Martin, the pressure's off. They can go out and enjoy all those games and play with an element of fluidity potentially and pick up more points than they might have if the pressure was on. So they've got nothing to lose now. Yeah, there's a few tough games. There's We've still got Chelsea, Arsenal and Liverpool, I think, at St Mary's as well. You know, None of those are going to be easy, but there's 12 games left. There's no reason that they can't win half of those if they put in some really good performances. Is there anything that worries you about that little run of games, Steve? Obviously, Newcastle in their leads with the new manager. Um, I mean, Newcastle have obviously picked up but you kind of also have to look at the fixtures that that they've had over the last month um they've had a very very kind run in order to build up these um this bank of points that will now disappointingly almost certainly see them safe but i would i would still put us massive favorites in that game a week on thursday and yeah i i i've got no got no particular particular concerns i'm kind of not quite sure of the justification for them putting it on the thursday was there was there anything clarified in newcastle playing monday night or something because that i mean playing on a thursday seems weird um in a just sort of va- vaguely normal midweek but yeah I, I i've got no got no concerns over that game other than okay newcastle was slightly better than than they were um leads i'm, I'm not concerned about um, if you look at their, apparently they've got the 19th biggest wage bill in, in the league, which suggests that actually last season was a was a monumental overachievement. Hmm. And I think when we when we beat them 1-0, I mean, we thrashed them 1-0, didn't we, at St Mary's? That game, that game was so one-sided, it was embarrassing. And yet we only got the only got the one early in the second half. To be honest, I would kind of expect that side to struggle for the rest of the season. I mean, obviously they're missing two they've been missing two key players in Bamford and uh, Phillips for the vast majority of this season. They're two quality players that a club with that wage bill can't miss those sort of players. 
because they don't have you don't have the squad depth to be able to cope with it. Mm. Um, that's kind of the sort of thing that we found last last season, wasn't it? When you have when you have a handful of um, important players unavailable, all of a sudden your first your first eleven is is significantly weaker. And Leeds Leeds have found. I mean, what have they shipped twenty goals this month? <laughs> I mean, that's that's just extraordinary. Um, Whoever gets well, that job's going to have uh, well a big task on their hands. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think we even conceded twenty in in the February after con- after conceding nine nine on the second day of it. Mm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's that's some kind of implosion by their defence. I mean, you kind of wonder who's who's likely to to have that. I mean, obviously Richard Keys has obviously suggested um, uh, Big Sam should take the job because obviously they're they're best mates. But it's Jesse it, March, I, isn't it? Yeah, that that seems to be the seems to be the the name that's that's going around but it's difficult to see anybody who doesn't have experience of that team and this league kind of coming in and, and being able to hit the ground running that that seems that seems a tall order for someone like him I think um, an appointment of someone like Marsh who I think is I mean the job he did at Salzburg was excellent but didn't quite work for him at Leipzig I think he's he's the sort of guy you bring in in the summer give him the full summer to to work with work with the players i don't think they've i don't i just don't think they've got the time to go with go with a sort of system uh manager if you like a mm. couple of comments just to get through joe says uh brogia's done brilliantly but 30 to 40 million for a striker with two years in the first team is ridiculous he needs to pick a club that's going to develop him further because he's still a little rough around the edges i think we, we kind of covered that we agree with that so thanks joe and charlie um one for dan i know what the answer to this is but he says read the contracts the perception is that some players have already been offered deals assuming that is correct why are the club seemingly being so guarded in announcing them we it's the question we just don't have an answer to isn't it really it's not the question for me i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> we need to be asking somebody at the club what's you now what's going on it's um very strange very strange let's move on to west ham um which is wednesday night now they scraped past kidderminster in the last round what sort of game can we expect in the cup then on wednesday well, i think it'll be a tough test we know what to expect from west ham don't we they're a, a big physical side um i was looking at their their lineups against um kidderminster obviously before that they played leeds and they played pretty much the first 11 with Ariola in goal so i think you know they will probably turn up with a, a strong side on uh, wednesday night I, I think to be fair to them, you know, my view on the the sort of owners and stuff like that is probably like many Saints fans and probably many football fans. But to be fair, I think David Moyes, when he came in for the second stint, he said something along the lines of winning is what I do. And I sort of scoffed at that a little bit. And to be fair to him, you know, that's what he's done. He's turned them into a really good competitive side. We've done well against them this season, which is unlike us, you know, drawing at home, winning up there. It was a fantastic Boxing Day result, wasn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll go back to what I said earlier. For me, we're pretty much safe. You know, Dan thinks we're already safe. I think we can give the cup a good run. Um, we can go out there the pressure's off a little bit there's no embarrassment in losing to West Ham like there might be if it was a potential banana skin like the Coventry game so I think Saints are on the up and and they can go out there and play with confidence and take their you know their focus off the league for a little bit and just have a good go so is the game more important for us Steve or West Ham do you think are they going to have their eyes on on the league and maybe not on the cup yeah I think they're in the position they're in where I mean let's let's be honest their form the last six weeks has been pretty wretched for the most part I mean they by the sound of it they they um, play quite well today and, and deserve to win. But for the most part, um, pretty much since the turn of the year, they've been a little bit ropey defensively, conceded a lot more goals than they did in the first half of the season. And of course, they've had the um, uh, the Kurt Zuma distraction as well. But they, I mean, they, they should be looking at trying to get in the top four. I think West Ham have obviously got a lot of games coming up. They've got two very difficult games with Sevilla to come um, in the midweeks immediately after um, this cup game, and you would imagine that the the priority for them will be 
kind of a combination of the Premier League and the Europa League. I mean, they said, I mean, they're, I would, I would imagine, I mean, it would take something pretty spectacular for them to not be back in Europe next season through their league position. But while they've still got a chance of getting top four, I think that's got to be their priority. And I, I would expect their their team selection to slightly reflect that. Although I, I do kind of um, qualify that with the fact that they don't have a huge amount of depth Mm. Um, in their squad. I mean, Antonio has no backup. Um, they continue to run him into the ground, which I find absolutely extraordinary given his his injury record. And we've obviously seen their defensive record when when their first choice centre-backs aren't available. So, yeah, I mean, we're, I would make us probably slight favourites, depending on what... To, I mean, I don't see any reason why we don't put put our full-strength side out uh, Wednesday, there's no no real no real reason to to kind of make it make any wholesale changes. That's for sure. You're nodding there, Dan. Will you just be happy if this one's done in 90 minutes and we don't need to worry about extra time? <laughs> Wait, I don't have to put a paper together. So it's fine. I'm happy for extra time penalties. A lot if yeah, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, I think I agree with with everything Steve said. Really, it's for me West Ham. They've got bigger fish to fry. I think. Their, 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 their target is Champions League, isn't it? They're a couple of points off United, I think. That will be their focus. My colleague, Roshane, our West Ham correspondent, wrote a piece and it was at the end of last week or this week saying that, as Steve mentioned, that West Ham are just running Antonio into the ground and these mm. you have to rest him for this game. I'm sure Southampton would be quite happy if that's the case. Again, agree with Steve. If I was Ralph, I'd make two or three changes at most. I don't think you need to make any more than that. It's It's not worth it. And I mean, if I was playing up front, I'd probably wear a few more shin pads. <laughs> Bearing in mind who they've got on defence. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, who starts for you on on Wednesday? What changes? I, I can imagine Stuart Armstrong perhaps won't because we'll save him for the weekend. But um, what about the the rest of the, the team? Would you make a few changes? Yeah, I, I think um, ultimately. I was thinking earlier, you know, we're going to have a day and a half extra rest, which I know at this time of the season probably isn't massive, but it's it's a little bit, isn't it? So maybe there'll be players that will recover before Wednesday night that might not have, have otherwise. Um, yeah, I think potentially, you know, do we know if Nathan Redmond will be back for that? If he is, then that's probably a well, straight, for straight Redmond's right. fit. So, so, so that's potential straight for straight swap with uh, Armstrong, isn't it? But I mean, otherwise, you know, I don't know if he'll play Cavallero. He played quite well in the last round, didn't he? You know, a couple of good saves at the end. Will he give him a run out, um, given uh, that uh, they've obviously then got the game next weekend as well? So, I, I go back to what I said earlier, Martin. I, I don't think they should make loads and loads of changes. I think he should go. And to be fair to Ralph, you know, in the time that he's been here in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup, he's always taken them seriously with his lineup. So I don't think he will make loads and loads of changes. But I think potentially Stuart Armstrong having a rest and maybe the goalkeeper and potentially Perot getting a game at left back, you know, that sort of thing. But otherwise, I think just go with what you got. Not bad players to come in, are they? Not bad players to come in. Um, one of the questions we had from last week was, do we want a cup run? Or do we want top 10, Steve? It seemed more pertinent perhaps to mention that this week before we go into the, the West Ham game. Or I guess the other thing is is both. Why not both? Yeah, I mean, they, they're not mutually exclusive. And particularly with Brighton faltering, Villa seemingly not... I mean, they obviously won at Brighton yesterday, but they don't seem to be any great shakes. Everton nowhere near, Newcastle too far behind, and Palace not really doing an awful lot either. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically us and Wolves for around that eighth and ninth position. I don't think, not, not convinced that Wolves are good enough to overhaul Spurs when Spurs have got Kane and Son playing as they did yesterday. Yesterday, So I think it's, yeah, I mean, we're, we're fairly, we're fairly well, well kind of placed at the moment for, um for the league. I, I think realistically we're not, 
not looking too far up, but we don't have to look over our shoulder at all. And barring any injuries, Dan, the club will want the same, won't they? Cup run, top 10, that's the, the, the aims from the start of the season. Yeah, without, yeah, without a doubt. I don't see them sacrificing one for the other. I look at, look at you look at their next four fixtures in the league, but you could make a case for them winning every single game of those four. If they do that, then top 10 is, in my eyes, top 10 would be pretty much done. They're not going to miss out on top 10 if they do that. I think they they just need to take, if they, as I say, if they can take advantage of the momentum they're in over the next kind of three to four weeks, then they will find themselves in an FA Cup quarterfinal and they'd have top 10 in the bag. Happy days. Like yeah, Claude, sounds Claude. easy, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the Claude Puel days all over again. Amazing. <laughs> the good times are back. Let's do predictions then. It was a point each last week. Everybody correctly predicted that we would win. Nobody getting the exact score. Um, if you are watching the live stream, feel free to stick your predictions in the comments just for a bit of guidance. Steve, do you want to go first? How do you see the, the West Ham game playing out in the cup? Um, I, th- I think I think we'll, as I say, we'll go in as slight favourites and I think we'll, we'll probably show that. So yeah, why not three on the bounce? 2-0. 2-0. Dan, how do you reckon? 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. I'm making a note of these so we don't have to South go Hampton through and listen to, to all the pods. Okay. Uh, Glenn has also sent his, his predictions in. He went for 2-1 as well. But Ben, feel free to uh, to jump on just for fun. What do you reckon? Uh, well, I spent four years as a host, Martin, predicting Saints to win. Uh, sorry, to lose every week. So I feel like as a panellist now, I should uh, go for a win. But yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd probably go 2-1 after extra time. I think it'll be one of those sort of, there won't be many chances, but uh, they'll just edge through and uh, we'll take that. Josh White says we seem to like a 2 0 lately. Um, Classic so Jose team. <laughs> a lot of two ones as well, and uh, and a three two in there. Um, so after the uh, the cup on Wednesday, back to league action. Aston Villa uh, on Saturday at Villa Park. We beat them one uh, 0 back in November. Uh, I think that was the game that saw Dean Smith lose his job. What have you made of them under Stephen Gerrard, Steve? What sort of a, a team can we expect? Um, well, they they had a they had a fast start under him, and everyone was p- proclaiming Gerrard as the second coming of Christ. Um, as I mean, it's not not like not like Villa fans to go massively over overboard with their own sense of self worth, is it? Oh God, let's um, not upset them this week. Well, <laughs> get, gets us, gets us the clicks, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I mean he's he clearly had a had a positive impact at the start. Coutinho was a was a signing that they would have had absolutely zero chance of making um, without him being being the manager. And initially, it looked like that was great signing and and they were going to they were the ones that were likely to be sort of challenging wolves and spurs for the first or sort of seventh place but it's all kind of gone off the rails a little bit um the last two or three weeks well, since boxing day yeah possibly yeah i mean they've they've, won they've twice. been yeah but they yes yeah, so they've they've been middly sound like they were fairly comfortable winners at brighton yesterday but brighton are kind of on that sort of downward trajectory at, at the moment so difficult to read a huge amount into that but they're like Villa's recent results have been fairly poor to be honest performances hadn't been great I mean everything I've seen is that basically the I think Gerard Gerard again tried um, Ings and Watkins a lot up front alongside each other again um, yesterday uh, Watkins scored Ings didn't so he's got he's still stuck on what three goals for the season two the is it, I think. but it's that partnership isn't really working because they are basically the same player only Watkins is about five years younger so it's there's there's something not quite right in that 
in that team system at the moment. I mean, obviously, Ings is going to go and bang in the hat trick on Saturday now. <laughs> now I've said that, but... we, we said that last time, though, didn't we? And he didn't even play. So, well, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't even make the, make the journey down, did he? Mm. But it's, look, he's, he's obviously had a fair bit of criticism this season, rightly or wrongly. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've not seen many of Villa's games, but for whatever reason, it's not quite working for him. And we've moved on. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, beware, beware the curse of the X as ever. But um, other than that, I, I kind of look at Villa and think, well, they're, they're all right, but they're not as, they're not as good as, um, as people seem to have been making out, making them out. Like there's like the last couple of years has always been like, oh, Villa have won the transfer window and Mm. then they end up in 12th. It's like, yeah, that's that was a that was a great victory in that uh, mythical uh, mythical challenge and trophy that they won. Ben, what have been your uh, your thoughts of Villa at the moment? What sort of game do you think that's going to be on Saturday? I, th- I think it'll be a tough game. But then I was looking at our record. I like to do my research. Obviously, I saw we'd mm-hmm. won seven of our last nine against them. I think in the last three visits to Villa Park, so it's been a bit of a happy hunting ground for us. I think you know you look at the the sort of spine of their team. I think they are pretty solid. I like John McGinn. He's you know the the sort of player that gives a hundred percent. Martinez and goals obviously got the presence of a cabbage. And no, I'm mean, I'm joking. He's a pretty good uh, keeper actually. You know I think he's pretty solid. Um, and then yeah, you look at uh, sort of Watkins, Ings, whoever might play out of those. Um, obviously, Danny's going to want to score against us and prove a point, I'm sure, but they're, they're a good side. I think the only thing I'd say with Villa is you never quite know what to expect with them, um, which I'm sure you could probably say that about lots of Premier League sides. So I think your Saints go up there and play like they can, I think Villa will come on to them and, and we're pretty good when we want to be on the counter and things like that. So I think we've got a good chance. Does it depend how Wednesday goes, Dan? I know we were sort of joking about extra time and, and penalties, but we saw that in the previous round where they played the extra half an hour and we were worried that that might then impact on the league game. Or is this where we, we see a real test of the, the squad depth and, and the intensity? Possibly, maybe. I think it'll be interesting to see what Rav does in that sense if it is going to extra time on Wednesday. Rav's the kind of guy he, he wants to win every game he's in, so I wouldn't expect to see like three or four key players walk off the pitch you know, in like the 80th minute unless... Mm. Southampton have either won the game or clearly lost the game. So it, it might be a test, but I think Southampton will be up for it anyway, I think because of the kind of Danny-ings factor. But I I think even if Danny plays and scores, I don't think he's proved a point. No. I think Southampton have proved a point in selling him, to be honest, in terms of getting £30 million for a player, which I didn't think was a good idea at the time because I never think it's a good idea to sell your best player, but I, you can't knock that decision now. I think Elinousi scored more goals than him this season. Brozier, Prousey, Bednarek's probably got up there, at least very close to Danny in terms of goals scored. And Adams, I think Adams will be up for it. I think Adams has really stepped up in Danny's absence. So I, I actually can't wait for the Villa game, probably because it's my last game before I've got some time off. But <laughs> it, it, Villa Park's a great place to go. Really good atmosphere. Don't buy into the whole Steven Gerrard thing like Steve, to be honest. I'd be quite worried if I was him because this clearly is his audition for the Liverpool job. I mean, if this goes terrible, he won't get that job. And I was just looking at, at the teams they've lost to. So they beat Norwich mid-December and they've won two games since then. And that was against Everton and Brighton. Mm. They've lost to Brentford. They drew with Leeds, lost to Newcastle, lost to Watford. I mean, there's nothing for Saints to kind of be too worried about, I don't think. So let's stick with you then, Daniel. Score prediction for Villa Park? Uh, let's go 2-1 again, Southampton. Well, with Danny Ings scoring for Villa. Danny Ings to stay on the bench. <laughs> Look at his bank account. Steve? Um, oh, why not four in a row? 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. <laughs> We're all just going to stick with 2-0. Loves a 2-0. Right. <laughs> and uh, Ben, how do you see this one working out? Uh, I think there'll be goals. Um, I'm going to go for two or draw and Danny Ings isn't going to score. 
Bill and no Dennings. I'm making a note of this. So, uh, right. Thanks very much. A lot of two nils as well, as you can imagine in the predictions. So um, before we go, before we finish this week, um, big shout out for some of our loyal and our much loved patrons with um, promotion this week as well. In our Matt Letizia tier, we've got Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy and Phil Cook. Uh, Nick Hingston has joined the Matt Letizia tier. Now he was in the, the Ricky Lambert tier and he's moved himself up. So cheers for that, Nick. Appreciate the support. In the Francis Benali tier, we've got Nick Reed and Matt Hall. And there's loads more online about becoming a TSP patron. Ben, do you just want to say a bit on that, some of the benefits and, and where we can find out more? Oh, you've put me on the spot there, but <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks. Um, but no, I mean, you're right. So it's patreon.com. Um, there's four tiers, I think. Bobby Stokes, Ricky Lambert, Francis Benali, Matt Letizier. Um, all of the money from that that goes into the pod, the production of this, you know, the, the stream yard, the pr- production, things like that. And yeah, there's perks. You know, we're, we're going to give a, a T-shirt to everyone that's been a patron for at least six months this season. So currently Alex, the producer, and myself are working with uh, Alistair, who's one of our patrons on the design of that. We're hoping, I think, to have a few more things before the end of the season, potentially something live, which again, you know, patrons will be able to get uh, preferential treatment for as well. So yeah, look up uh, the info on patreon.com slash Total Saints pod. Nicely done. Um, Cheers, Ben. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Dan. Um, enjoy the games this week. Don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you might be listening. On the socials, it's at Total Saints Pod. You'll find us on Twitter and Facebook. You can drop us an email via the website as well. Uh, always nice to hear from you, and we'll get your questions involved if we possibly can. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe. Enjoy both the games this week, and we'll see you next weekend. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.